Welcome to the virtual roundtable, Outdoor Fitness, Creating the Ultimate Experience, presented by Kaiser. Kaiser is never satisfied with the status quo and strives to push the limits of fitness science. By beginning the design process with the human body and mind rather than the limits of current technology, Kaiser develops science-backed solutions that break the accepted rules of the industry. Thank you, Kaiser, for being a part of the 2021 Club Solutions Connect virtual event. All right, Ralph, take it away. All right, well, good morning, everybody, and thank you for participating today. We've got a great topic, outdoor fitness, and what it means today and then what it's going to look like tomorrow. So great panel for us to be able to talk to, so I want to dig right into it. We're going to start off with uh, just getting to know our panelists a little bit, what their situation is for their clubs or their businesses, uh, so it creates a little context for us as we move forward through our discussion. So Amina, would you mind getting us started with just little bit about you and your club and your situation outside or inside and, and what you guys have going on. Yeah, hi, my name is Amina Daniels of Live Cycle Delight and LCD Hot here in Detroit, where we offer indoor cycling, hot yoga, mat Pilates, bar, and um, functional training in the form of TRX. And we are inside with reduced capacity. Obviously, it is January, so we are in the dog days of winter. We officially ended our outdoor, outdoor classes in December, which um, is pretty deep into the winter months. And um, it's been a beautiful experience, uh, better in the spring and summer when it's warmer and you don't have to have as many heaters and it isn't as dark early, um, but it's been good. It's been better than being inside with reduced capacity for uh, the comfortability of most participants. Awesome. Thank you. Jason, how about you, buddy? Hello, everybody. Excited to be on this. My name is Jason Allen. I'm a Senior Director of Field Operations at InShape Health Clubs, operating out of California. Uh, we currently are operating outdoors only. Um, California has definitely been uh, restricted severely um, over the course of the past 11 months. Um, open and closed about three times. So right now we have about 20 outdoor operations. Um, that uh, you know, we've worked diligently to provide a great experience for our members um, and uh, team members to, to keep our communities healthy and fit. Yeah, Jason, you, mean, you guys jumped in with big tents, right? And we're talking 100 by 100 tents. Yes, yes, yeah. we, have, we do so, have a few of those. Yeah, very large scale. So, all right, great. Well, thank you. And then, Jared, how about you? Uh, Jared Sirocco, COO, World Gym International. Um, we have 226 gyms across 17 countries. Uh, so it's definitely been a challenge facing all of those different scenarios. Uh, it's different in every country. It's also different in every state and then within every county, right? So it's been, yeah. it's been a lot of fun, you could say. Uh, but uh, our operators have risen to the challenge, um, gotten pretty creative and as we'll get into, uh, outdoor fitness has really been in our DNA since 1976. So for some of our operators' uh, locations, it was, it was easy to make some adjustments and just expand on what they were already doing. Uh, for others, it, it was an adjustment that they were able to work through and, and be successful at. We still have the same challenges as many of the other uh, groups on here today, but uh, we really believe that uh, it's it's definitely serving its purpose and where we're able to keep going right now where the weather allows us to we're going to keep doing it so 
Great. Looking forward to getting more out of this and grateful to be part of the panel. Yeah, thank you, Jared. All right, Marissa, let's get over to you. All right, hi, I'm Marissa Hoff. And for about 10 years, I ran an independent health club here in LA, Stevenson Fitness. For the last two years, I've moved into the consulting role and I will share some of the best practices I've seen with some clients. Like a lot of the panelists, uh, we've been closed primarily since March. Uh, we had about two weeks of being open, so our clients did a great job of pivoting to doing outdoor fitness. Uh, and more excited about launching a new franchise here to the U.S. and it's called Be Military Fit. We've actually been in the UK uh, for about 20 years. Uh, two years ago, Bear Grylls bought into the concept and so we're bringing the brand over here to the US and that's an outdoor only fitness concept. So really excited about bringing that in. Yeah, you know, it's a really interesting offshoot, right? To this outdoor, the outdoor product because we've all seen it in different parks and things like that along the ways, but having something that's franchised and packaged and complete is I think an interesting evolution for the industry and uh, will be interesting to hear more about that as we as we go. Thanks. And last but not least, definitely is Alistair. So Alistair, yes, tell us a little bit about Kaiser and, and what you guys have been doing during this pandemic. Yeah, it, we are manufacturers. Uh, we actually manufacture out of California, which uh, has its challenges with all the uh, uh, rules that uh, the governors have put in place. Um, so. We've, we've been very fortunate to be able to uh, open every single day. Um, at the moment, the biggest thing we e-commerce has gone crazy for us, but from a commercial point of view, it's been uh, helping, helping clubs that have got our, our machines and how can we convert them into outdoors, into tents? How can we put them up on walls? Um, how can we uh, engineer a few bits of metal that might be able to, uh, convert into a rain shade, uh, shade shelter for them. So we've been looking at layouts. We've become experts in um, the covert six foot rule and how can, uh, most times we've had clubs that are saying, let's have a, a, a pre-COVID and a post-COVID uh, layout and, and a COVID one, and then have plans ready to go that if they do open and a week later they have to close, they can go, right, that's plan B, that's plan C. So that's been our role, really, just trying to make sure and, and help people where they can do. So we've been helping to um, get vendors to move equipment for them or even rent space. A lot of, a lot of our people actually have been renting space. Out. Well, you know, and Alistair, we were, we were talking about, I had the opportunity to do the, the tour at Kaiser Fresno and the factory tour. And, you know, I don't know, a lot of people know that 100% of Kaiser equipment is built in the United States in Fresno, which is an awesome, an awesome thing that it's all American built. But you think about, I mean, all of us, a lot of us have moved a lot of equipment in this last year. And there's a big difference between selectorized equipment, plate loaded equipment, and then Kaiser equipment for having to move it. So, yeah, I mean, if you were looking for quick, easy, versatile space changes, um, yeah, Kaiser equipment and a couple compressors is definitely a very, very nice, easy way to go for sure. We, we funny enough, we had a couple of clubs said recently, uh, a couple of YMCA's that said that uh, they moved the leg press. Our leg press actually has 1500 pounds of resistance. And they said, but two people can move it. And they just said, how wonderful is that? Because there's no weight mass. So 
they just said it was one of the easiest solutions where normally if a weight, if a leg press is in place, it's staying there. It's not. Oh yeah, moving. we we've had the one piece we have not moved outside is the leg press. And every <laughs> once in a while, we'll go all kind of walk around and look at that thing like, nah, not <laughs> doing it. Exactly. <laughs> all right, let's let's keep moving. I want to get to I want to get to how your spaces have evolved a little bit. So let's start with you, Jared. So we started off with this thing. I think probably most of us were like, what could we do just quick? Just throwing stuff out almost. It's just like, just like get something going. And then I think we probably got better and better as time went on and maybe we saw the investment was worth it. So let's talk a little bit how the spaces have evolved. And Jared, you've got a huge scope, right? Of people, of, of things on this topic. So maybe give us some of the highlights that you've seen. Yeah, <clears throat> well, it's funny you say that because it changed. Like literally you thought gyms were having yard sales left and right. I mean, they were, they were dumping stuff outside faster than you've ever seen before. Um, but but it's definitely interesting to see how it has evolved. But from, from our perspective, like I said before, I mean, uh, it's something we've done for a long time, outdoor fitness. And for example, uh, I'll just use one example. So one of our clubs in California, which we all know is a very, very challenging space in Ventura County, um, we had an outdoor weight room. We had a Muscle Beach. Um, that's what World Gym was originally known for. Um, and this particular location had an existing 3,000 square foot outdoor weight room. Uh, there was no turf. There was no nothing. It was weight loaded equipment. It was dumbbells. It was clanging and banging and people loved that feel. But when it became obvious that we were going to have to move all the operations outside, we were fortunate enough that there was a pool area and a basketball court that was underutilized. So we basically took as much as we could and set up a full gym outside during that summer and fall months. And it was perfect weather. Uh, we were fortunate enough where we didn't have to tenant uh, like some of the others had to in that particular category. We would cover things over at night for moisture and whatnot. But we had people driving an hour and a half each way to come work out because we had a real weight room outside. Uh, a lot of places around us had, you know, some things, maybe some turf or whatever, but it wasn't a weight room. They couldn't get a lift on. And uh, we were the destination there for a good six months or so uh, with that outdoor weight room space. And so it just made us think we have to really start getting back to our roots. Um, and now we've got gyms that are specced out right now with 6,000 square foot muscle beach weight rooms, 4,500 square foot muscle beach weight rooms uh, that are coming out. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see how we continue to grow from our original uh, muscle beach a long time ago. Yeah, great. Thank you. Marissa, let's go to you and maybe some of the client, what you've seen clients do as far as evolve. Yeah, uh, I mean, specifically, there's one local one. Uh, in the first couple months of the pandemic, we were just doing all the virtual stuff and uh, started by saying, well, maybe we can bring a little crate out with some dumbbells and do a little bit of a small group. Um, and eventually, in this particular client's case, it's a boot camp, you know, rotating station kind of thing. So originally, everyone was just with their little crate and dumbbells, um, and the owner just decided to go all in. And so every single day, twice a day, the, the landlord is key, by the way. Um, I think there have been landlords that have been very generous and helpful with clients and how parking lot uses can be done, and some not so, which has been really unfortunate for some of our smaller businesses here in the area but she was able to every day bring out benches bring out little squat racks to form her five stations and that's twice a day she brings them out twice a day she brings them in it's a little bit of a 
headache, if you will. But I think, like Jared said, that's a real differentiator. Uh, LA Fitness is completely closed. Our Orange Theory was closed. So she really was the only game in town that was giving the same product, obviously in a different setting, but getting the same kind of feel. Obviously, some of the equipment couldn't be moved, but we were getting the same sort of workout. And I think that was really pivotal for her maintaining and and growing. Uh, She continued to grow throughout and is adding new clients. And like Jared said, people are driving to come out and see what's going on because that's the only place they can do it. Yeah, yeah, great. All right, Jason, I know you guys have done a lot in this in this area of evolution. What is, how's that look for you? I mean, we we definitely have evolved from when we first started. Uh, we started, we, we have a couple of uh, properties that have tennis courts on our property. And so we just moved equipment out on the tennis courts that weren't being utilized. Uh, and we started with just 10 by 10 tents that we scrounged up from around our locations. And uh, we even pillaged some of our tennis screens and used four by fours to create shade because, you know, we're in the middle of June and July in the Central Valley, it gets hot. Equipment was getting hot, people were getting hot. So that was the first, you know, attempt at it. And um, from there, you know, took our learnings and, you know, weren't, weren't sure how long this was going and didn't know if we wanted to make the big investment that, you know, some of these tent vendors were charging. Um, and so, we tried to go a little bit smaller and did 10 by 30s and, um, you know, zip tied them together to create shade and one windstorm and that went awry. And so, uh, you know, we finally just said, you know what, we're all in and, and uh, went and sourced out a tent vendor and started putting up big, big tents. And uh, we have you know, 16 different pavilions, we call them now, uh, ranging anywhere from 5,000 to 10,000 square feet. Some of our offerings now, I mean, we have full-fledged outdoor offerings with group fitness and headphones for people to reduce the noise. Um, Marissa brought it up in terms of, you know, the landlords and we have eight of our pavilions are on our property on tennis courts and eight of them are in parking lots. Um, And uh, definitely been some learnings as to go through those landlord negotiations and fire department permitting uh, as well to to get those up. But, definitely has evolved and, and now it, it's almost like <laughs> okay what, what what county can we go into next and we we now are starting to just check the boxes off as we you know gotten better and better at the process yeah yeah you've made it through the learning curve yeah yeah now i mean i think you've done some interesting things in this realm too right yes so we're in michigan like i said before and we have also had strict restrictions so we were given the green light to go outside in the at the end of august so um i drove cross country to find a trx s frame um, a 15 foot s frame so we set up an s frame um, at our second location so during um we first found a location that was a vacant land. It wasn't as close to our initial property. So again, we spoke to our landlord. Our landlord had a vacant property across the street from our studio. Um, We landscaped that property. We popped up an S-frame. We put out old uh, rubber mats that we had previously used. Um, So clients wouldn't be on the grass and you can put mats on top of um, the rubber mats. And then we added a tent 
Um, a 20 by 30 tent, we then added a subfloor. After we added a subfloor, we had um, 12 platforms built so participants can be elevated off the subfloor onto the platform socially distant. So there would be 10 socially distant in the tent and we had an overflow for two outside the tent. And like I said, the tent was up and had participants up until December. I think we're so, all in the wrong business. We should have all been in the, the tent, tent business. business. My gosh. Yeah. Tent business for sure. Oh, it's a racket, man. <laughs> yeah. Now, Amina, do you have access to that space for the spring, that same space? Yes, we do. Thank goodness for my landlords. We do have access. We actually still have the tent up because we have the platforms that are under the tent. So it has been a bit of an interesting component because we haven't been able to move the bikes outside because the bikes weigh about 85 pounds. And, you know, it's just been a bit of a security issue, making sure that we secure everything. We've had our heaters stolen a few times. Um, so that's been the curious aspect of even thinking where we go from here is how can you secure the equipment to be outside because you know everyone knows that you're outside and they know when the gym is open and when the gym isn't open and you know these pieces of equipment cost a lot of money as everybody on this call knows yeah yeah for sure um so i want to get you in on this alistair and because, and you too, Marissa, because you guys see different people, but the one thing it seems to be is that effort is really rewarded through this process, right? It's the, it's the clubs and the companies that have been willing to haul their stuff in and out, have been willing to spend the money and to try some different things, but to really just put in the physical effort to try things. So maybe some of the observations that you two have seen on that front. Yeah, I, I think the, the ones that we've seen have had the greatest success were probably the ones that reacted quickly. Um, they didn't wait for clubs to close. They already had a plan, a plan of action um, ahead of the time. Uh, one example that I can think of is a, a studio that decided to rent out all their bikes. Uh, they had 50 of our bikes, but that was in March last year. They have now since then bought 700 of our bikes that they've now rented out to all their members. <laughs> Wow. So wow. now it's become this incredible feature. But the, what's beautiful about that is that the members still feel they will come back to that club and that studio. They'll just have a couple of classes a week where they'll do it from home and they'll still come back. But they very quickly saw an opportunity and said, right, we're going to buy your bikes and took a bit of a risk. And, but they, were very, they did it very early on. And of course, the 50 bikes went within a week. And then, of course, everybody else wanted it. So they've done, you know, th that's a, a, a fantastic story. You know, for that's them. so funny because I thought, you know, I heard that idea early and I thought it was a horrible idea, <laughs> renting the equipment out. So I guess uh, I guess I was wrong. So that's a, that's a cool story, though. Thank you for yeah. that. How about you, Marissa? Well, I think uh, Alistair kind of hit a segment of that. I think what we're seeing is, you know, the hard work, the, the willingness to pivot, all that stuff really is developing long-term retention and engagement with members so even uh, some clubs that we work with in the uk the energy group uh, they've done similar things where they've you know rented out equipment they've been doing things like wine nights and nothing related to outdoor fitness but just building member engagement uh, 
while keeping their doors closed and that's been really challenging for a lot of people and I think that's going to pay off in the long term. I mean it is hard work, it's thinking outside the box, but it's really doing whatever it takes to get your members involved, keep them healthy and keep them coming back. Um, so I, I think you're seeing that in it looks different in every case, but it, it is gratitude that we're seeing from the members that they're just like so happy, so grateful for whatever it is that that club is doing. And, and we see everyone struggling. They know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think interestingly, I mean, it's there. The cool thing is that there isn't a playbook for this outside, right? There isn't necessarily an expectation. And I think that the members also reward effort in mm -hmm. that because they see that, and I don't know, I mean, you guys, I'm sure you get them too. I mean, I get a lot of emails just thanking us for thinking out of the box and trying something and how important it is that for them to be able to go somewhere and stay active. And that is so, so rewarding to get there. But I think the opportunity for all of us to be innovative in our own spaces without sort of anybody else's preconceived notion of what outdoor fitness should be. It's really about just what we can execute well ourselves. And I think all you are explaining so nicely what you're able to do in your own, in your own areas, which is, I think what makes, you know, I mean, makes it fun to come to work and to, to re rewrite the rule book sort of on, on how we're doing things. Um, Jared, on that, on the starting our next topic is really about kind of our look forward. And because, yeah, we've done these things now in our spaces. And hopefully as we move into the summer months, we start to move through COVID. And as people get more vaccinated and it gets warmer and that thing, we, we hopefully turn a corner. I'm, I'm kind of projecting that it's going to happen in the middle of the year. But I mean, I don't know as much as anybody. Um, but uh, so I'd like to know where your guys, all your heads are as far as where, what your, either your plans are for moving forward with outdoor fitness, sort of long-term, long-term being kind of after this year and kind of into the next year, sort of your, your couple year plan and, and how you see this being a permanent part of, of your world. And Jared, you started talking about this already, but I think you're a good person to start with because yeah, I mean, you guys have a history of outdoor fitness that you feel like maybe you, you sort of moved away from a little bit, but a huge opportunity now to come right back to it and regain some of that, that, that roots that you guys have from before. Yeah, I mean, look, none of us have a crystal ball. Who the heck knows what happens, right? In, in 30 days, 60 days, who knows 30 minutes from now, we don't know what it's going to be, right? I mean, they could all come back and say, okay, gyms are open, gyms are closed, we don't know. Uh, but I think to the point of what you see here is resiliency, and I think you also see creativity. Um, and I think that that's really where we have to go. My biggest thing is if you move forward in your facilities, you have to look at, you know, is, is it sustainable, right? Like it's already been brought up. These tents aren't cheap, so especially those big ones, man. That, that's some money. It's like second mortgage or a second rent that, that's huge. You've got maybe 30, 40% of your revenue is coming in, but now you've got an added expense. Your landlord wants you to pay. You have to be smart about it. So from a business standpoint, long-term strategy, does it fit your model? Can you sustain it? Uh, will your landlord, your, your space, will you be able to continue to maintain it, staff it, keep it secure? Amina brought up a great, I've heard tons of nightmare stories about theft and break-ins and all of these different, it's another animal that 
you know, a lot of people didn't give consideration to out of the gate and we're all learning as we go. Um, so like anything, I think it takes really good strategic planning, get your team together, figure it out. What's working, what's not working. Can it be part of our core culture? Can it be for two months, three months out of the year, or is it something that we can do long-term for us? As you said, it just really solidified the fact that we were onto something 46 years ago. Um, and now more than ever, it's important to, to, to really continue to uh, innovate and, and look and see what we can do. Uh, and I'm glad that we're part of this panel and we'll be able to get some great ideas. But there's a lot of great stuff out there and there's a lot of cool spaces. People are doing some really great things. And I think a lot of us are going to pick and choose some things as we create this this new uh, model together. But there's been so much talk about hybridization, right? That phrase is like an it's another one of those key phrases you want to go nuts with, but it's not just about digital. It's not hybridization means making sure that you can be flexible in what you do. So you see that digital component, you see that in club component, and what are you going to do outside? I think you got to be strategic and you got to think it through because it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Marissa, how about you? Tell us a little more about, I want to get back into the, um, you know, the program that you guys have, the outdoor specific program. Yeah. So Be Military Fit, as I said, they've been in the UK for 20 years. And I think what Jared was kind of touching on is uh, the consumer is changing, right? So uh, they've been doing outdoors for 20 years. Uh, they're all used to being, and this is in the UK. So when we talked about bringing it to California, people said, well, what about when it's like 50? Like, are people going to go outside? <laughs> and people in the UK have been doing it forever, but the consumer has changed. So uh, with Be Military Fit, they actually pivoted. That's another one of those words, right, Jared? Uh, to digital right away. So they, they moved to virtual in March, like the first day that they got locked down, and they kept 85% of their members through that first lockdown, which was incredible compared to other clubs in the UK. Um, so they're going to keep moving forward with the outdoors, and we're bringing it here to the U.S., I think, because as consumers, we've changed. If you had told me a year ago that I would be outside in a parking lot with, you know, a mat that is black from all the soot of the parking lot in 30-degree weather, I would have told you that you were crazy. But I'm doing <laughs> it because that's what, that's what we're doing, and we're enjoying it. So I think uh, BMF is going to start to expand because people are liking outdoors. But I think, like Jared said, depending on your model, right? And Ralph, you and I talked about this. Maybe your consumers uh, will shift you in a different direction. I think you mentioned that your club was starting to see a lot of people that were real weightlifting people that enjoyed that outdoor element. So it's really going to depend on your consumer. And that consumer is a different person than we saw a year ago. Um, even if it's that same exact person, that person has changed. So I think being able to adapt, to grow with them, and to give them options, you know, as much as it hurts, even if only 5% of your people are doing digital or virtual, they want that option. Uh, so it's lovely to see that everyone is doing different things and being super creative. Like, I mean, that's incredible what you did with platforms and all that stuff. And uh, I think outdoors is something that I'm really excited to see because we're seeing it in the parks, like organically, right? Anytime you walk outside, there's yoga classes and boot camps and trainers, and I, that's just going to continue to grow. 
Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about your product, Marissa, it's Get Military Fit, right? Is that it gives me an opportunity as an operator to be able to have something out in the community where I can expand my membership base out, right? Beyond my four walls, and but still support my four walls, right? Which I think is really an interesting thing coming going forward for us to be able to, to do that because I mean, we've talked in this industry forever about how we unlock different markets and different groups of people because we've all just had the same people that have come to us and they all kind of look alike, but there's only so many in the in our communities. So if we have a tool that can open up a whole nother demographic, um, that would be interesting. Jason, I saw you shaking your head strong, but I want to, I'm just going to jump over to Amina and then I'm going to close on this topic with you. So, I mean, what's your plan going forward? I think you're thinking kind of spring, right, is your next move. Yeah, um, one thing that we had on our list to do prior to the pandemic was to do more um, pop-up and sweat tours. So prior to the pandemic, we did a pop-up and sweat in New York, as well as um, Atlanta and Miami. And this year I'm looking to get to California, get outside. Yes, definitely. As someone who's in the Midwest, um, that is a great market for me. Um, and what we do is unite communities in the name of sweat. So I'm always looking to create a more inclusive uh, fitness experience. So definitely doing more pop-up and sweat tours. Prior to the pandemic, we really wanted to target colleges. Um, one thing that I have noticed is um, particularly women of color, um, we're less active because we didn't play a sport. And if you're less active prior to the age of 30, um, it's just really hard to get on a consistent workout plan. So wanting to meet younger girls um, sooner, it's important to continue to unite communities in the name of sweat. That is one thing we do really well here at Live Cycle Delight. And it's really just being intentional, um, intentional with our programming, intentional with where we activate. So whether we're doing this pop-up what city versus suburb, um, and making sure that I can meet communities younger. So hitting up the college campuses that are near uh, inner city neighborhoods. All right, awesome, thank you. And you got three new friends in California. So if you're yeah. looking to get out to California, yeah. or really four no, with Alistair, I can we'll count you, we'll count you, Alistair. Uh, all right, Jason. Oh, wait, so I'm sitting out here by myself. I got a headquarters in California. Come on. We'll just, <laughs> That's true. No. Jared, I'll take you to Yosemite. I'll take you to Yosemite. I'm messing. That's good. But I, to, can I just say something to Amina's point? There are companies out there now that are making these awesome fitness trailers and things where you just hitch it up and throw everything inside them. And, and they really make doing those types of events. I mean, there's some companies with the great pop-up fitness tents and the, the containers and the, the trailers and the hit. I mean, this has really caused the ingenuity to come out in a lot of people. Some of these things have been around for a while and everybody goes, oh, I'll never need that. Now everybody wants it and they're even getting better. So uh, that's really awesome, Amina. But you, there's other there's other options out there for a lot of people. And so great challenges bring great opportunity. I think she's on to something there too. Yes, and I'll come visit you wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do one in Philly. 
Perfect. Let's All right, Jason, I know you guys, InShape has a lot of awesome strategic thinkers. So I know you guys have probably been thinking a lot about what this looks like going forward for all of you. So what is what are you guys thinking? Yeah, I mean, we're definitely all in on outdoor being, you know, continuing on in the future. Um, we have a couple of properties that already have resort, you know, um, amenities, outdoor pools, tennis courts. A lot of um, those have housed and are housing our tents outside. And after the second closure, we had a couple of tents already up and we had those members reaching out saying, hey, I like it outside. I don't want to go back inside, especially when you have the masks, no masks or masks are, you know, required or masks recommended. And so there was a lot of member feedback around having an outdoor offering. And so we definitely took that and expanded our tent offering and are already looking at permanent structures, obviously not in our parking lots, um, but in terms of on our property, what type of coverings can we have? What type of equipment that can we have that will you know, sustain the exposure to the elements outside? Um, and in terms of what Amina was talking about, definitely there's been a lot of um, creativity in creating communities, doing virtual club runs and virtual marathons and signing members up where they're physically distanced, they're not inside the four walls, but they're still part of a fitness community. And I think that's super important. And we're definitely gonna to continue to lean in on that, as well as offering those outdoor um, fitness facilities, not just free weights, machines and cardio, but uh, fortunately we have the capability in some of our locations to lean into just activities. Um, tennis, pickleball has really blown up for us in terms of building a community um, in, in, uh, in some of our locations, um, as well as kids activities, you know, um, you know, we didn't really talk a lot about that, but there's been a lot of children that are just kind of displaced right now. They can't go out and play. They don't have recess at school, or at least they didn't, you know, California. And so where do they go? And uh, we leaned into that. We created some kids activities in some of our outdoor locations. So um, one, we could continue to bring children in and, and uh, have them be active and parents can come in and you know allow their kids to have a safe place to go and created some stuff that would allow kids to burn off some energy, allow parents to bring them and let them go do their thing and feel safe and comfortable with it. So um, we definitely feel it's going to be, you know, here for, for the long haul. And uh, we're currently looking to continue to look at, okay, what does that permanent outdoor facility look like? Is it shade? Is it permanent, you know, structures? Um, but it, it, I, I believe it's here. I think the member, I think Marissa said it earlier, the members are different, right? They feel it, they want it and they need it, so. And one thing yeah, that I don't think I mentioned uh, BMF just started doing now our first location here is suburban in a park just like the typical BMF but they are doing an urban concept that's I think super cool a shipping container that has some of the equipment that opens up and it's you know like Jared was talking about super well branded uh, very like just like edgy kind of cool and I could see that you know downtown LA for example that's something that I've been thinking about first we'll just do the regular stuff but I just think that that could be really a good opportunity. Oh yeah, yeah, I know the shipping container, Jared and I were talking about that shipping container thing just is endlessly cool mm -hmm. for how many things that you could potentially do with that thing. Yeah, who would have thought shipping containers were cool, but they are. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Alistair, we're for Kaiser. Now you guys have had a, a, an awesome year because of some consumer and then some club stuff. But uh, so what are you guys thinking in the next few years? I mean, for us, we're working on projects, funny enough, with containers um, already, uh, military-wise as well as actually clubs. I think because our machines are a lot lighter and you can fix them on the wall. Um, they're already thinking of putting our performance trainers, for example, on the on the doors of the container. So as you swing it out, now it's automatically outside and you've got 12 foot of cable to do functional training work. And you've got that six foot gap already. So a lot of people are thinking that way already. So I, I, I think it's here to stay. I really do. And I think all clubs have to think outside the box a little bit. I think there's going to be people will like virtual, but they still want to have that uh, contact with people too. So I think that balance is, is, is here to stay. And I think the club that can offer the three spectrums of that, then I think has got a, a great opportunity. A question you have- for you, um, if I may ask a question really about your bikes. I want to know if you're developing a bike to be more water, um, resistant so if a bike could really die 24 hours a day and maybe you could pop out the power meter i have all these concepts for warmer weather concepts like hawaii and san juan where bikes could be outside and i love the kaiser bikes i almost bought the kaiser bikes over the stages bikes they're like butter so i would love a waterproof Bye. We uh, what, what we do at the moment, we do actually have a, a salt tank in our facility. Um, the reason is because Spain is, is a big hub for Kaiser and they have outdoor facilities. And so when we first did this, we did have some salt issues and we couldn't understand where some of that rusting was coming from until they right. said, well, actually, we're right by the sea and mm-hmm. we leave them out 24-7. So, okay. So now we have a salt tank. So we've been able to actually ready, uh, ratify all that problem. Um, so we actually go in and test all those type of elements. We're doing one test at the moment for the military for a different way because they want it to work at 25 degrees <laughs> to make sure. So they're doing it in a different way. So this salt tank allows us to prepare and make sure that we lacquer everything correctly. So you, you'd be you'd be pretty good on that now. Okay, good. Good to know. Thanks. Perfect. All right. Um, you know, the one thing I will say, though, about is about outdoor being here to stay. I think the, the analogy I've been using is that there's a lot of winter outdoor sports, right? I mean, people ski, they snowboard. I mean, they do all kinds of stuff outside already. So the notion of exercising and recreating outside in the winter is not a new idea. It's just the idea of some of the things that we've done inside translating it to outside. And I think that this has now created that opportunity for people to think of outdoor sports, outdoor winter sports in a little bit different way. And, you know, I'm lifting weights. I may need to wear a jacket, but that's okay, right? Instead of my tank top, I got a jacket on. It's not, you know, it'll be all right. So I think that 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 is an interesting thing going forward. I do offshoot question for you guys is I have seen a, a big difference on the type of user we have outside, the type of member, right? I think that for what my experience has been is that they're, they're a little more, they're a little more hardcore person, probably a little more um, workout devotee um, that really needs to get their workout on. But I've seen this skew more towards strength versus cardio. And I wanted to see if that's been your all experience 
Um, we'll just go ahead, Jared, why don't you go ahead and start us if that's been your experience. I mean, you guys are strength-based product primarily. Well, for the outside, we were, yeah. I mean, and, and that was one of the things that was the big attraction. I think a lot of people said, look, it, it's, you know, it hit in spring and summer up here, right, in the Northern Hemisphere for us shutting down. So a lot of people were like, okay, I can go for a run outside. I can go for a bike ride. I can do some sort of outdoor sport, pickleball, you know, kind of whatever. But they couldn't get a lift in. And so the areas that had strength training equipment, and that's why I think we were pretty successful for those few months is, we were the only place you could actually get a lift in because if you ordered equipment, a lot of the manufacturers didn't have it because the home fitness equipment boom was going on, right? So you couldn't get dumbbells and weight plates and barbells. And so people were desperate. So I think you're right for a, for a long time there. It was, hey, I can do cardio pretty much anywhere. I want to get, I want to do some strength training. So the places that had that now though, I think in, in especially with weather and whatnot, I, th I think these spaces do need to evolve. And I think we can't take out of the equation the fun factor. People like to have fun. Yeah. They, they join gyms, right, to lose weight. They join gyms to look better. They join gyms to meet people. They join gyms to have fun. Mm -hmm. And so what are we doing to make that atmosphere fun and, and inviting for them? And it should be diverse. It should be cool. It, you know, don't, don't forget about creating a cool environment, you know? But I think to your point, over time, I think you're going to see that shift. I think you're going to see it come back to a very balanced approach to what they're looking for, as long as the environments created are conducive to those individuals. So while we were heavy strength based out there for a while, um, I think you're going to see it turn the corner to be back to a pretty much uh, the same as an indoor type of atmosphere. Okay. And that actually makes me think of one thing, if I may interrupt real quick. What Jared said was super important for those people who haven't done outdoors yet and have been contemplating it. Outdoors cannot be, well, we're only outside because we can't be inside. It, it has to be an experience in and of itself. And Jared kind of mentioned that. It, it has to be something that you're, like Jared said, enjoying it. But it can't be like, oh, well, we're just going to go outside now because we're closed again or whatever. It just is something that is going to be super cool. It's going to be fun. I mean, look at what Equinox did with Into the Wild. I mean, that's awesome. Um, and it's an experience. It's not, we can't be inside, so let's do that. It's it's a completely different avenue that's fun and an experience. Yeah, yeah. Amina, did you want to, did you have something to add on that? Yes, I, I also call them Chiquinox because it's <laughs> chic and fabulous to work out. They also have a, a great big old budget. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, they can do a lot to go out into the wall. But I did want to talk about what, um, really just elaborate on what Jared said. And it's something that we've had success and really um, Marissa touched on this, but making outside be an extension of your studio. It should really still have the look, the feel. I come from a retail world, so I always, you know, what's the experience of the customer? Mm -hmm. So you don't want it to be bare bones, like, oh, concrete, no mats, blow your knees out. You still want it to be um, a safe experience that mm -hmm. is similar to your um, inside experience. And then mm -hmm. also touching base um, about um, the initial question that we've kind of digressed from. I do think that, um, 
the people who want to be outside are the people who are most cautious about coronavirus. So mm -hmm. I know the people who were outside were not the people who ever came back inside. And they were also the people that said, I'm not coming inside for the unforeseeable future. So I, I really appreciate everything that you are doing to keep clients safe and active outside. And thank you for pivoting most of your offerings outside because they don't feel safe coming inside. Yeah, great. Jason, have you guys seen a, uh, a sort of a skew towards strength at this time? Yeah, um, to Jared's point, I think there, you know, a lot of people that, you know, uh, want to do cardio activities can do it in a variety of different ways and don't need the actual physical equipment to make that happen. Um, and so, you know, when we started putting up our tents and, and our pavilions, um, we started to really kind of look at our offering at 50, 50, you know, 50 cardio, 50% of the equipment is going to be cardio. So if we were able to get, you know, hundred pieces of equipment under, you know, one of our pavilions, it would 50 cardio, 50 selectorized. And it was very quickly the turnaround and just seeing what's getting used, what's getting busy. And of course, we're trying to keep everyone physically distanced. So, you know, between member feedback and just observation, we needed to adjust and pivot. And, you know, just watching that, we, we've had to go back on probably about seven or eight of our different offerings. And we've taken some pieces of cardio off to put more selectorized on. I know we were talking about leg presses. We've put leg presses out there. We've talked about cable machines they are not fun to move and yeah. you talk about effort and you talk about people being appreciative. Um, we have, you know, Marissa brought up, you know, about you know, moving into the tent game. <laughs> We're thinking about moving into the moving game because we have moved so much equipment. Uh, our, our, our team who normally don't do any of that are actually becoming really, really efficient at breaking down and moving cable machines and leg presses and big heavy equipment because that is what we have uh, identified a lot of our member base really like to use when they come outdoors. Great, thank you. So now I'd like to just throw your guys consultant hats on and if we go around the horn and I'd like to get your guys uh, advice for operators out there who if they are thinking maybe they haven't jumped into outdoors yet or they're thinking about the future, I'd like to give have you give your advice to operators out there either the best thing you learn so they don't make the mistake or what your advice would be as far as going outside so Alistair let's let's start with you I think the big thing for uh has been weather wise and having uh, a plan a and b for weather I mean California wise is has is blessed with probably 10 months of, of good weather uh, we've had to deal with people from New York uh, where, you know, what do I do for the four months? And yeah. so some of them have, have uh, got heaters or anything else, but they've, they've thought ahead of the time. They, and I think those that have done that have been very successful. Those that suddenly the winter's on them and now they can't react because every heat is gone. Um, so I think the biggest thing is look at the 12 month plan and almost look at it as a seasonal way as where we used to with memberships and when membership drive would come in. You've got to think the same thing outside and work out what can I do to do a 12 month plan and make sure that I, I still have an offering somewhere along the line. That seems to be the big thing that uh, has come right. to people. That's great. Yeah. I was talking to an operator and a friend in Green Bay 
and she's contemplating this thing to your point. And her thought was, is can I have my, you know, this being my seasonal um, spring and summer space, and then can I turn it into an ice rink in the winter? Um, which I thought was a fantastic idea. It was just brilliant, right? To be able to convert that space seasonally. Yeah. Absolutely. So Marissa, how about you? What's your advice? It's funny that you brought up ice rinks. That was like on the news last week that people are building ice rinks in, uh, obviously not around here, but um, <laughs> as a way in their backyards, as a way to be outside and enjoy the outdoors. So that's really smart. I mean, I think really it's gonna depend having a good landlord relationship is going to be important. And if, if you don't, uh, I love the idea of maybe thinking outside the box and doing, you know, even pop up. Like if you can't be on your parking lot, maybe you think of ways to go in local parks, you know, and do pop-ups. I think you just have to be creative enough to go through, but have some sort of, you know, maybe like we had people going to the mud run in San Diego, which is like two hours south of here for events. So you're looking at Spartan stuff. Um, just what kinds of things can you do and even do, you know, like we've seen a lot of people doing virtual training for marathons, 5Ks, 10Ks. If you can't really form that outside experience, what else can you be doing outside to keep people? I mean, the, the bottom line is you want people to be active. It's so important. So uh, trying to bring in, and I think we are going to be able to be successful in bringing in new people because we're seeing a shift in like, okay, this really is important. And maybe it's just people now are walking outside that never thought about it before. But thinking about different ways to do that, I think is going to be important. Excellent. All right, Amina, how about your, what's your advice? Um, definitely to be innovative, um, stay ahead of the curve, kind of what Alistair was talking about, plan ahead. Um, don't think about summer in May, think about summer right now. Um, and in the summer, think about what you're going to do. Um, I also caution people to say, hey, this is going to be over in just a few months. Consider 2021 to be just like 2020 and to not be able to have access um, err on the side of caution and continue to pivot. I like to say that I've been a pivoteer. Um, diversify your revenue stream. So if you're not doing virtual or if you are doing virtual, look at ways to improve your virtual. We've switched platforms so we can get rid of Zoom. Zoom is not the best to offer your fitness experience, the mics. And even knowing when we go back outside, you know, being outside where you don't have a Wi-Fi connection is totally different from streaming those classes. So maybe you will in the summer roll out your on-demand classes. So those classes will be able to have pristine sound. Um, just continuing to not be satisfied with where you are and look on how you can continue to improve. And for me, um, making sure you keep participants safe, whether we're inside or outside, we do temperature checks and we have mandatory masks regardless of the comfortability. Um, I don't want to be a super spreader and I would hate to kill somebody. So, um, you know, just making sure that we can say. That's really bad for business. Yeah, we, we yeah, would hate bad. that too. I mean, we, we would gonna, really not like that. Hurt your Yelp rating for sure. <laughs> My mom died at her class because <laughs> I died with no mask. So no, no, no. 
Yeah, we're getting we're getting short on time. I just want to finish up. Jason, your advice. You know, I think I think we everyone kind of hit it on the head. You know, you have to plan ahead. You can't think short-sighted. You can't think, I mean, we kind of made that mistake originally. Oh, okay, we'll just do these temporary 10 by 30 tents that we buy them from Walmart and you know it doesn't work. You have to plan ahead. You have to think longer term. Um, and to that, you still have to be flexible. You still have to be open-minded. You still have to be courageous in making decisions Why? Why? while at the same time keeping your experience in mind. So I think everyone hit it on the head with, you know, plan ahead, be open to, to pivot and to twirl and to move on a dime and make changes and make decisions quickly as long as you keep that member experience in mind and, and continue to focus on the communities and outreach and keeping people in our communities happy, fit, and healthy. You know, I think, uh, I think you know, it, it is here to stay. It's going to be around for a long time for all the reasons we said earlier. So, um, you know, okay. I, I, I like that you added twirl. I like you added twirl to pivot. So that's, that's a nice nuance. That, that's, yeah. that's what we, 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 we switched from pivoting to, to we're just twirling. Awesome. We're just twirling because He's we have business to ballerina. I like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. All right, Jared, finish it up. Finish this uh, up. All great advice. You know, there's there's nothing bad here. I would just say this: there's a lot of people that have spent thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars doing this. We've all made mistakes. We've had some successes. We've had some failures. We've had some growing pains. Um, take advantage of opportunities to listen to webinars and roundtables like this. Listen to people, talk to people. Our industry, even though we compete in certain markets, we're all here to help each other. We're all here to help uh, our, our communities become more active and fit. And we believe that exercise is medicine. So use the resources that URSA and Club Solutions and all these people have available to you and learn from them. And at the end of the day, never, ever, ever compromise who you are as a business. If it doesn't fit your model, don't do it. Invest in it if it's smart for your business. Don't go chasing a rabbit down a hole that puts you further out from where you need to be. Do it if it makes sense. Know who you are and be smart about what you do. And take the advice of everybody else here that gave some good advice about safety, security, cleanliness, and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I think any of us would be happy to help other operators. If they have got questions, they can contact us and... You know, I mean, that's the, the great thing about our industry is we've been very generous with trying to help and share and, you know, just try to help everybody survive and keep their businesses running. So mm -hmm. very good. Very good. Uh, the one the one piece I will say is I'll add is just staff. Right. I think we've all touched on it in, in certain ways, but I think we're all so appreciative of our teams and our staff members who have done the lifting and the pulling and all the crazy things that were not even close to their job description that they've done through this these last you know 10 12 months and how appreciative we are and we know we know who our gamers are right we know who we can build on we know who who is going to be with us through for the long haul and and just how appreciative we are for those people and and knowing that we're going through it with them so well thank you all so much for your participation in this it's been fun super fun for me it's been great to get to know you guys or to reconnect with people i have known so thank you so much for participating in this thank, thank you for having thank us you. great job yeah. stay safe everyone
Yeah, th thank you guys so much. Um, thank you, Rel, for moderating the discussion. And thank you, panelists, for all of your amazing insights. Um, attendees, please be sure to join us in the live Q&A tab in a few minutes where you can ask any questions um, that may have arisen to our panel.